Uh, hey, welcome to uh, welcome to this week's episode of You Can't Be Serious. Uh, I am uh, half of your podcast hosting duo, Josh Tracy. Hey, everybody, and I'm Matt Torrey. And uh, we are. If if we sound tired today, it's because we are. Um, if, if you're listening to this in the distant future, and then let me reintroduce you to November fifth, twenty twenty. Um, where we are at the midst of the presidential election, we're not. Get, don't worry, we're not talking politics today. But if, I'm just warning you that if this ends up being a short episode and we sound sluggish, it's because we have like a combined ten hours of sleep between the two of us over the last like three days. So um, please excuse any mumbling or grumbling over the course of the show. Uh, but instead, uh, what we had planned on talking about today was music videos. So when we talked last week, Matt and I talked about um, protest songs and how they can inform or reflect part of what's going on in the culture of the day. And it it seemed like a good extension of that conversation would be in the visual medium that music has really become a strong part of over the last several years, over the last 40, eh, yeah, I guess 40 years, MTV, 1980, I think. Um, and have a little bit more lighthearted version of that conversation talking about music videos. So, uh, you ready to get started? I'm ready. All right. So when I, when I say the term music video, do you have a particular video that pops in your head? Thriller. Michael Jackson's thriller. Yeah. And I, and like, I think, uh, I don't even, I'm not really sure. I mean, I obviously like it, I, I came, I was born after Michael Jackson's Thriller, right? Came out, right? So this is like before me. Um, but like, I remember, I remember being like, like twelve or thirteen, and like, like early YouTube, uh, looking up the music video to Thriller, because like I remember like people talking about it or hearing about it or whatever. Um, and it's, I think it was like the first, the first music video that like I. I like I appreciated like the video like for the video like not just because like oh I like the song and like I guess the video is also cool because it goes along with the song um but like having known the song and and then seeing like that translated into this huge like big budget like like production um was pretty cool um what about you like what like what's your like go to like Oh man, I mean, I mean, the thriller is definitely there because we were just talking about it last week. This is America. Also came to to mind, um, mm, as we mentioned yeah. in last week's podcast, a very like visually focused and 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 like visceral, um, fucking music video. God damn, I don't know why that that <laughs> why, <laughs> why that term is just like not gluing itself in my mind right now. Um. Take on Me by Aha also up oh, there. That's another great one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like that's that's another one where like the video for me like when I saw like the video almost has a separate identity altogether from this like I mean I could like I, I don't know it's 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 weird that like the, the video almost has its own identity beyond just like being the video to a song. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean and and that's a lot of the ones that come into my head are like very like 70s, 80s when music videos first started really becoming 
kind of a thing. Um, because I think they, they tried a lot of weird stuff. Because if mm-hmm. you think about... Because one of the things I think that's really interesting about music videos that I was hoping we would talk about today is how completely separate that medium is while also being directly tied with the idea of music. Because if you think about music, okay, you know, the auditory experience mm-hmm. and, and video, the visual experience, we, we, I, I think we tend to tie them together kind of like, like smell and taste, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But they operate into such completely different ways that yeah. it adds yeah. just a whole different layer of either metaphor or entertainment or expression or whatever uh, by like getting to have that there. And because like when, when you see a band perform live or if you see a music video that is mostly just a band performing live, you I mean, you get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand what that is. I've seen bands live before. And if I see a music video that is mostly a band playing live, I don't give a fuck. Because yeah. I at this point, I, I mean I'm just watching a concert DVD. Um, but like seeing something really cool like like Thriller, you know, like where it's basically a movie. Thriller, which is also a great conversation point for us, because not only is it a music video, they chopped up the song into into different sections than the studio version to make yeah. it fit the video. Like that is so video first, song second. Um but it gets to, like you get to experience the song you're listening to in a completely different context than you possibly could have otherwise. And that's really a cool idea. And so I'm glad you brought up concert films or like just the idea of like just a video of just a band playing, right? Like like as if it were concert footage. Um because I think that's probably right, like the kind of what music videos naturally grew out of, right? Like if you think about like it's like a really early one that I think of. I think of like the music video for uh, Roxanne by the Police. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally just them in like on like a red set, like playing their instruments. Like I don't even think the guitars are plugged in or anything like that. But like it's but they're just like playing the song. It's not like a. It's almost it's 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 not really meant to be like a uh like a deeper visual message or anything like that. I think in a lot of ways it's kind of taken on its own aesthetic, just it being this, you know, bright red set and like it's the police. Um but like it's it's I think much closer to a you know, like a concert film, like in, in the, in the way it's shot versus like what we think of as being like a modern music video. Um, but it's still a music video, you know, all the same. And so it's, it's interesting how kind of how that, uh, like how that medium, right. How music videos have evolved over time to become more and more complex and have bigger and bigger budgets and have kind of taken on their own, uh, you know, realm, so to speak. Um, whereas I think, you know, obviously with, when we're talking about like Roxanne with the police, they didn't first have the idea of, Hey, you know, it would be great if we had this video where we just played a song on a red set. Let's write a song where we can do that. Obviously the song came first and then a video followed to promote 
the the song. But you know, when you start to get into to songs like you know, like Thriller, for example, like when you when you talked about it, like there was almost a sense of like, well, the video could have come first. Like you could have like specifically written the song for the video, and and it's the video almost surpasses the music in, in as far as importance goes. Um, and it creates an interesting sort of uh, almost like paradigm shift, right? In, in kind of like how bands both promote themselves and their, and their, and their work, but also how, like how they, I think even think about their work and how they go about like, you know, writing material. Man, there was a lot in there. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll start by saying yeah to everything. <laughs> um, and and what the other thing, just just to 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 kind of pile on to the idea of you know like they they write the music and then you know the video follows because there's no reasonable way to do it the other way around. Yeah. Um, it does also present though the concept of how much do we look to our musicians to be leaders in style and in fashion and in pushing um, genres forward, you know? Like, the idea that um, when Beyonce dropped Lemonade, that was, like, a really big deal. It was a visual album. It had a lot of metaphor in it that accompanied the song, but it was also... um, like 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 the way it was made the the production of it in of itself and some of the um special effects that were used were also very creative and like that brought a lot to it that was mm-hmm. really heavily being taken from something else um and it became really big because for one thing it was visually really cool and for another thing it's Beyonce and she yeah. is an iconic person in pop culture and she is an iconic person in fashion and even if you don't like Beyonce's music, which I don't know who that really is, I don't. I understand maybe not, be, you know, being a huge Beyonce fan, but I don't know why you would ever dislike Beyonce. It's very straightforward. Anyway, um, you 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 have a reason to tune into it for something else, and that is just to see, like, all right, what is going to be on every single woman's Instagram next month? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I'm tuning into this to see what outfit I need to wear. In a couple of weeks, you know. Well, so what's interesting about the idea of of like a visual album like that is that it's from the outset, right? It's meant to be consumed in a fundamentally different way than most other albums are, right? Like most albums, even if they are accompanied by like big production music videos or or, or kind, you know, whatever the initial intent right was for it to be consumed in like an audio only format right and so you know all of the meaning so to speak from the album should be able to be consumed in that way when you have you know an album or a song or whatever where it is that closely tied to the visual aspects of it it i feel like it just changes everything about the experience right in in consuming the album oh for sure i i I mean it really gives you that that extra and it's that is one thing i think that also very much so carries over from um seeing a show live versus hearing it 
um, strictly auditorily. You know, like Matt and I both own copies of Wolfpack's Live at Madison Square Garden. Matt was actually at the show. Um, I was. But if you watch it on YouTube, you'll, you know, it's, it's like there's moments in the record that if you never saw the show make absolutely zero sense to you. None. Specifically, like the Funky Duck scene. Yeah. Um, but like that shit translates, that shit accompanies so well. And I think that there's some part of stylized music videos where that really is evident, you know, like, like if having that visual, having queen, when you picture the, the, when I, you know, when you listen to the beginning, the first part of Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. I challenge you to not picture the four guys of queen standing in that like diamond pattern all yeah, black like the, black background yeah. with the hands over the chest like that's mm-hmm. just in your head and what it doesn't change anything about the song the song is the same in the video and it's the same on the record but the way that you are now consuming it that visual whether it changes anything for you emotionally or not is inherently changing how you're consuming it because now you're adding that extra layer onto it um I don't know. I, I I just love that as like a concept, you know. Yeah, because it it adds. It's almost like, uh, uh, you know, like going from like listening to something in mono to listening to it in stereo. It just adds like this whole extra depth, and like you're able to like kind of appreciate the the vastness of what you're listening to. Um, by you know incorporating a visual component to things, it's like giving you you know more depth to to what you're experiencing and, and kind of makes it a more uh like real experience right oh for sure um i want to loop back real quick to to a part of this conversation that we were having earlier because yeah. um one of the other v- music videos that always comes to mind for me is elvis presley's music video for schoolhouse rock for jailhouse rock from 1957. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, you know, so I remember learning about it in like my high school history of rock class. That's like, Mm -hmm. you know, considered one of the first music videos. Um, Mm -hmm. How wild of an idea must that have been? Like, how do you process, how do you come up with it in the first place? And then how are you consuming that in 1957? So that was that was gonna be kind of what I what I want to talk about is like I, so in this in 2020 right when you've got the internet in your pocket right and there's 50 million different kinds of streaming services for all different kinds of content right the idea of having a visual component to you know some form of audio you know production isn't that ridiculous like it's it it makes sense. Right. It's almost strange to think of, you know, not having a visual component. Um, but but back in 1950, what, 1952, you said 57, 57. Um, I'm not even sure. Is that have we even reached a point where like a majority of Americans have a color TV? Or like oh. or have or have a, or or have Dude, a TV no way. like we're still we're still at the point where like a majority Right of Americans are getting their news and entertainment from the radio. Radios, absolutely. Right? And so, absolutely. and so, 
I, it's hard for me to even fathom like what, like why even make a music video? Why even do that? Like, you know, I, I feel like it, it, in, it would, it's almost like saying like, let's put a billboard on the moon. Well, who's going to see that? Like, why would you go through the effort of figuring out how to do it and putting it all together and getting it out there if no one's going to see it? Obviously, people saw it and like it's became this big, you know, cultural, you know, whatever. But without, you know, the the benefit of knowing the future, knowing how it all turned out, like what what's going through your mind that makes you think, oh, yeah, this is this is the future. So. I think the easy answer, but without an easy explanation, is the easy answer to every question, which is money. Um, <laughs> Elvis Presley was raking in dollars, yeah, and clearly they thought that having this video would be a better way to promote Presley, get more people to his shows, or get more people to buy the album or whatever, and make more money. Um, I don't know how that would have worked in 1957. Because nowadays, man, you can just make your own goddamn YouTube channel and just throw that shit shit up there, and then Justin Bieber yourself into the into the conversation of music in everyday life. Um, yeah, but like, I don't know, or even or even pre YouTube, right? Even like in the eighties and nineties, you've got a MTV? dedicated TV network that just shows this format, right? So like, you're like, okay, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna, we're gonna get it on MTV. I would guess. And, you know, sure, we could have looked this up, but why bother? Um, I would guess that this probably would have come up um, before one of the many variety shows of the 50s, you know, as like either a lead in or a segment. Um, sure, it also helps sure. the fact that back in 57, there was probably still only three TV channels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, so it's not like you had to search very hard to find your demographic. They were I guess that's a three places. That's a good point. I guess while there were a smaller percentage of people who owned TVs, the people who did own those TVs, you only you watched what was on, and that was that was it. So, so if Elvis was on the TV, well, then damn it, you're watching Elvis on the TV. Yeah, yeah, basically. I'm trying to find anything on the um. On the video, I, I found the actual video. I'm not going to watch it, but I found it, and I'm I'm I. But I don't see anything about like where it was played, huh? So, uh, all right. So so while we're on the topic of Elvis, right? Elvis obviously, outside of being known as like a the actor, yeah. Well, <laughs> so like outside of being known as as like a innovator of of music, right? Um is known as being like, you know, a, a good looking guy. Right. Um, a, and so before the era, right. Of, of music videos, like where they really took off. So I'm going to say, obviously music videos were around in the 50s, 60s and seventies, but like really when MTV came along and kind of blew it all up, that's really kind of what I think of as being the era of music videos. Um, Same. before, before that, um, there was, you know, unless you could, you there, it was enti entirely possible for you to have a successful music career without um, investing any kind of time or money or, or, or kind of whatever in your your kind of image, right? In the way you look, for sure. in the way, right? Um, yeah. 
like you could be a bunch of just weird, quiet dudes who like don't look good on TV and and be rock stars. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Post uh, post kind of, you know, this explosion of visual media. Right. Um, I mean, I've always, I think, just kind of assumed that that played some kind of, you know, effect or that played into, you know, which bands made it, and which bands didn't. But like, how, how do you think that that like, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know. On on what specifically? Just the the whole idea of like, uh, I don't know, like Pink Floyd, right? Like Pink Floyd, like the like those guys were kind of weird looking, right? Like, would they have been as big of a you know, or I don't know, pick pick a band from you know that. It's just made up of weird dudes, and do you think they would have made it um, in an era of of MTV? Right, you know, like I I I, I still think so, man. Yeah. Um. So I I think it's really tough because obviously image is so interwoven in mm-hmm. in music because music is at its core pop culture, and that means that you have to view it through that scope and um, attractiveness is a part of how we consume pop culture. And so those two things are going to be very intertwined. But at the same time, I stand by that if the music's good, no one cares. You know, like Sia is in her 40s and I've never seen her face because that's like her whole thing. You know, even in the music videos she has, there is like uh, some girl that's in them that plays like a Sia character, but it's yeah, not yeah. her. It's not um, her, yeah. And you know that, but the music's great, and so she's everyone knows Sia. Um, I don't want to like shit on Lord, um, because I don't want to make this sound like this is about her looks in particular. But people have differing opinions on the way Lord as a woman looks, but it doesn't matter, no matter what. Firstly. But it also doesn't matter because she is a really good musician, and her mm. and that and everyone knows her fucking songs. Um, even even going back to Wolfpack, now those dudes now that they got a little bit of money in their pocket and cleaned up a little bit, they don't look so funky. But if you go back to the early Wolfpack days, man, those dudes looked fucking weird. Yeah, and 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 they got famous off of social media, which I think is one of probably our most shallow <laughs> forms of communication. Sure, um, yeah. but the the music was good, man. So like, no one really gave a shit at the end of the day. And I I really think that it it seems so dumb because obviously you can get people who get famous for other stupid reasons, like Kim yeah. Kardashian getting famous because of a sex tape, or Paris Hilton getting famous for being in tabloids. I actually don't know what got Paris Hilton famous, but like, uh, yeah. yeah, but the, like. You can point at people who are famous just because they were good looking and somehow got in the public eye. Um, but I think music at the end of the day, even though it is very visual and like and like you said, pretty much has been for a while. Um, if the music's good, it doesn't matter, but it doesn't hurt to be really good looking. Point in case, 
Justin Bieber getting famous off of YouTube for what yeah. is just a fine song. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I guess, I guess, I guess to, to kind of hone in on what my question was, was, you know, I, and I think you've answered it. Was it like, do you think it's negatively, positively, or just has had no effect on, you know, music and like the quality of music that's been being put out since, you know, the popularization of the music video. And it sounds like you would say no, that like, you know, that that hasn't prevented good music from being made and that with or without the music video, you still believe that like, if you're good, you'll make it. If you're not, then you won't kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that that's it at the, at the end of the day. Um, like, are there people who, who probably wrote like a really great song or two who got told you just don't have the look kid. Like you'd mm -hmm. see in like a weird, like eighties movie. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably some of those people. Um, but in terms of the quality of music that we have gotten over the years and the sheer quantity of music we get nowadays from bands that can just post their shit on Spotify, um, I don't think it's prevented. I do think it's given better channels towards young artists, both in music and in video, um, because what's been what's really cool about music is that. So let's take Prince. OK. Mm -hmm. Prince's. Self-titled album, Prince, came out in 78, 79, I want to say. One of those two years. And Prince played every instrument on the record. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's because Prince didn't have the money or because Prince was just really committed about playing every song on the record. Prince is a notorious perfectionist, so it wouldn't surprise me if it was he just wanted to. Um, but I'm going to guess it's because it didn't have a huge budget because that would make more sense with the time period. Um, and Prince blew up. I mean, that album became a, an instant classic, and Prince became one of the biggest artists of all time. Um, and in large part of that was due to not just the music, but also the visual representation. And then who did Prince bring up with him along the way in his career? Spike Lee! <laughs> Spike Lee directed the music video for Money Don't Matter Tonight. Like, Spike Lee worked really closely with Prince, I think, on a few other big projects, but I know for a fact he did Money Don't Matter Tonight, and I'm pretty sure he did a Michael Jackson song, too. Um, really? And a lot of that, a lot of the reason that, like, we really know and fuck with Spike Lee right now, in addition is, be to, you know, to his, um, his indie filmmaking career, which is obviously very well-renowned. He is, um, came up very um, quickly in the indie film industry because he's very good at it. But, like, he also worked with a bunch of big name people, you know, like, yeah, it's easy to to look at Spike Lee and go, um, you know, he he came out of the indie film industry on um, and that was it. And that is true for a lot of it. Spike Lee very much so is good at what he does. Um, he's so good. He's so fucking good at what he does uh, and shows great vision. But having the gravitas of someone whose image is as important to him as Prince and being trusted with Prince and being trusted with Michael, like that really is going to cat. Like there is going to be projects that you get because you worked with those guys, you know? And that means a lot, you know, like film, fi the film industry is so interesting in how it intertwines with the music industry because like 
another Spike, Spike, Spike Lee, or Spike, sorry, Spike, Spike Jones was also a very big um, music video director before he ever became much of a of a film director. You know, now we know Spike Jones from um, like being John Malkovich and uh, her and where the wild things are. He yeah, di- yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he directed Buddy Holly by Weezer. No shit, really? He, he directed the Sabotage music video from the Beastie Boys. No shit. Yeah. Like, back in the 90s, you know? Before his yeah, film yeah, yeah. really became anything. Um, so, like, so... Go ahead. Michael Bay also started off as, as a music video director. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He, he, dire- he, he directed the Meatloaf song, I Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Before Did Bad he... Boys, yeah, before yeah, yeah. Armageddon. I mean, so hold on. I, I have a question, though. So is a Michael Bay music video as... Full of explosions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it just explosions? Um, <laughs> Basically. Huh. But, so, but, is that how he got his start? Or was he, like, a like directing films and, like, also directed... Like, or was he, like... You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying is kind of cool about like the film, how how the, the film industry combines with the music industry, because there are things on Michael Bay's like sheet that extend prior to the Meatloaf music video. But when you work with someone who's so famous, like Meatloaf at least was back in the 80s or 90s, I don't know how many people outside of music fans know Meatloaf. It's not like he's a like, hot topic these days. Um, He's but, a pretty famous artist, though. Yeah, and especially at that time. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, it's obviously going to mean, I think, working with Meatloaf, and eh, maybe it's the same scale, because by that time, when, when Spike Lee had worked with um, Prince, Do the Right Thing had already come out, so he was already Oscar-nominated. Um, but I, actually, I don't think Michael Bay's ever been Oscar-nominated. But regardless, like, like there are things that, that led up to Michael Bay being qualified to direct a meatloaf music video but at the same time there's things michael bay probably got as a result of doing a meatloaf music video yeah like you know you know david fincher uh uh directed Fight club yes okay yes 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 he worked with he worked with madonna back in the 80s he's the guy that directed vogue really yeah, that's the, that's like the hand the hand dance, yeah. right? Like the, the yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. And so there's things, and like everyone knows David Fincher as a director. Everyone knows Michael Bay as a director. Everyone knows Spike Lee as a writer and director. Like these are yeah. guys that we know for their film careers, and who are we are. I know I am hopefully surprising you <laughs> by you, letting yeah. them, letting you know about their music video career. But like having because what's cool about having a music video is that it is respective to how long it is a very high budget enterprise. So yeah. being able to direct a music video like costs a lot of money for what is ultimately going to be somewhere between like four to six minutes. Cause I'd say your average music video is longer than your yeah. average song. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so it's a really good like minor leagues for directing a full length feature film with, with a big budget, which is something that, you know, Spike Lee's do the right thing. Didn't really have um, prior to, um, some of his his later work, especially recently, Jesus Christ. Um, but like it, it's it's a really good like microcosm for how you're going to be, and you see a lot of top end talent come out of the the music video world. 
Yeah, so I'm just I just looked up a, a quick little list of just like famous directors that like movie directors that also directed music videos. Uh Tim Burton directed uh, a, a music video for The Killers. Here with me. Um <laughs> All right on. Spike Jones, I did uh, Weapon of Choice by Fat, Fat Boy Slim, the one with uh uh Christopher Walken and he's like dancing yeah. around the, the which is like one of the greatest music videos of all time. I can't believe that didn't come up earlier in this conversation. That is one of my favorite music videos. Um, and uh, Martin Scorsese directed Bad by Michael Jackson, yeah. which is crazy. Yes, he did. And I was actually going to work my way over to Scorsese because Scorsese is one of like the OGs of working in cinema and, and getting an early start in in yeah. music like he directed the last waltz which is considered one of the greatest concert films of all time yeah um, of the band's final performance and he did that in when did that come out like 78 like that was definitely pre-raging bull um uh, the, uh that sounds that sounds right yeah um and again like yeah. every people knew who martin scorsese was before the last waltz came out it's part of why it was a big deal um mm -hmm. But like those two things, like it if if you were a big fan of the band and in nineteen seventy eight I told you he you know, they're getting Martin Scorsese to direct your movie, you go, That's fucking crazy. And if you were a yeah. big Martin Scorsese fan in nineteen seventy eight and I told you he was directing a movie about the band, even if you didn't really care for the band, you'd be like, like That's fucking weird. I gotta watch yeah. that. I gotta check that out. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was like, um because I'm reading because Michael Jackson's Bad came out in like the late 80s, right? like 86, something like that. Yeah. Um, 87. I'm going to say 87. And then I'm he, hold on. where is it? Uh, yeah. 1987, 1987. And so he's already like he, taxi driver, raging bull, like, like huge. Right. And Michael Jackson is also huge at this point. Like those are probably two of the biggest names, right. In their respective fields. Oh, very much so. Right, then coming together to create what then goes on to be, obviously it's not thriller, but like it's up there as being like remembered as one of like the uh, pinnacles, right, of like music video achievement. Oh, very fucking much so. Um, all right, hold on, real quick. I wanna, I wanna do a little, a little look here. Um. So the last waltz, how much of a budget did you have? Oh, it doesn't say. I guess it's a documentary. All right, then let's look up the, the, the bad music video. How much of a budget did Michael Jackson's bad have? Do you have any guesses? Uh, $5 million. All right, you 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 were you were closer than I was thinking because I wasn't really sure how to adjust for adjust for inflation. Here, two million dollars. Okay, I so I knew it was a lot. I knew it was a lot. I know it's how not much, as thriller's right. the big one, right? Thriller is the big one. Oh, for sure. How much of a budget do you think Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese's one of Martin Scorsese's seminal works? How much do you uh, think that had for a budget? Taxi Driver is what, the 70s, right? When did that come out? 78? 1976. 76? Okay. Uh, 
And what did we sell them? What did you say the budget for? It was two million for, for bad. That was two million, and that was an eighty set. So, uh, I, I don't know, like ten million dollars. One point three million dollars. What? Bad had almost fifty percent more of a budget than than a uh, taxi driver. And the taxi driver had a budget of one point four million dollars. One point three million dollars. As a two-hour-long movie, full-length feature film starring Robert De Niro, who, by the way, De Niro, not a no-name guy in 1976. He'd already come out with The Godfather Part Two. Yeah, he, he, yeah. You know, he, he'd already been in um, Mean Streets at the time. Or is that Harvey Keitel? I always get them mixed up a little bit in the early years. No, he was in that too. Um, like, like this was a guy. He was, he was this a is, guy. Yeah, he's like, he's like just getting into like his. This is like. Big early prime De Niro time, correct? Absolutely. Would you say like late seventies, early eighties is like prime De Niro time period? Yeah, yeah. So he had just come on. He had just come off Mean Streets and The Godfather Part Two. Taxi Driver was the next film that he had done after The Godfather Part Two. Um, huh. So again, coming off The Godfather Part Two, one of the greatest movies of all time, won a bajillion Oscars. Getting ready to do the Deer Hunter, right? Uh, right after Taxi Driver, yeah, um, yeah, would be was Deer Hunter, and and a full two hour long film had had less of a budget than Bad. So I so I got a question though. So what was like an average? Like that is a small budget, right? Even by nineteen seventy six standards, right? Uh, it depends. It really depends on the movie. Um, doing okay. a, a like, different movies podcast. Shout out to Juicing the Big Screen. Check it out. Um, we look at the budget of every movie just kind of in passing, and. It's with with these movies and like the and over between like the fifties and the eighties, it's all over the place. Really? Yeah. Like we have seen several like five hundred thousand dollar budgets. So I guess I guess what would because obviously in twenty twenty, if you tried making a movie on a one and a half million dollar budget, like that is a that is a tight budget, right? Um, especially if we're talking about a two hour long like feature length film with like a star, right? Um. But what's like a big budget for a 1976 movie? Like, is it like is is ten million dollars? Is that a big budget production? Or um, I mean? well, I I know exactly what you mean. So I'm going to look up one of the most famous big budget films of the 70s. Let's look up Apocalypse Now, uh, which had ah, which had a budget of 31 million dollars. Really? That's it. Hey man, 31 million dollars in '79. I guess, yeah, but like I, I, I know that that movie like famously, like went over budget, over like whatever, and like it was like a just all kinds of stories, right? They 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 made a movie about how terrible it was to make the movie, right? Um, yes. So, but uh, the thirty one million dollars, like that doesn't sound like you know, and like, even like in twenty twenty, a thirty one million dollar. Budget for, for a feature-length film isn't a ridiculous budget. For reference, a thirty-one million dollar budget in seventy-nine would be the equivalent in twenty twenty of a one hundred eleven million dollar budget. Ah, okay, okay, so that okay, so that makes sense. Wow, inflation, really? Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you know, dude. Serious <laughs> bitch, man. <laughs> Damn. Okay. So, hold on, what's one and a half million dollars in in uh, twenty eighteen dollars? Uh, what one point three million dollars in nineteen seventy six, which is or wait, hold on, did, did tax driver seventy? Yeah, it is seventy six. 
in 2020 would have been is uh, six million dollars. Damn. So that's so it's a small that's a small budget. Um, yeah. And in 1987, yeah, when bad well, got made, yeah, it was it was 2.6 million dollars. So it about doubled. So in terms of inflation, it certainly uh, Taxi Driver is the more expensive production by not about much. $200,000. But one, not by much. And two, the the vehicle that is uh, the entertainment industry in the 80s was a much bigger um, ch- chunk of money than the uh, medium uh, machine 11 years prior in 1976. I know it might sound like I'm splitting hairs here, but as Matt and I mentioned with MTV coming around, a lot of shit changed. Um, and just the idea of big budget ventures and enterprises, uh, multi-part sequence series is, is really became a huge thing in the 80s. Talking about your Star Wars is your Indiana Joneses, shit like that. Um, ch- totally changed the game. But anyway. Um, well, also, also here, we're also talking about a feature length film. Well, yeah. That's and like thing. a five minute music video. Having this, having similar budgets, which is crazy. I I know, man. So hold on. let's let's this might be a little bit too in the weeds for most people, but I know who I am as a person. And if I was listening to this podcast, I'd want to hear it. So let's do dollars per minute. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. So I'm just going to round it. We'll keep it all $1987 and I'm just going to round it all off. So $2.6 million in, uh, for Taxi Driver uh, divided by the total runtime, which is um, 114 minutes, means that it cost uh, $22,800 per minute. And so, how, what, what was that? It was $22,000? $22,800. Okay. Okay. Bad, yeah, had a two million dollar budget, and how long did it actually? How long is the actual runtime of this short? This, the so bad this, music video is eighteen minutes. That's is it really. That's not true. Hold on, that's according to IMDb. I need to look up bad. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at the. I'm, I'm looking at the video right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's eighteen minutes. So there is a shortened version of it that is like I think just the song, which is like four and a half. But I guess I guess well, we can't look at that because they made the whole video. So eighteen minutes. That is yeah. true. All right, that brings it out to um one hundred and eleven thousand dollars per minute. So four times as much. Five. Five times as much, uh, per minute. Almost wow. five, five and a half. I mean, wow. goddamn. Wow. And that and and that's what I was saying previously about how it's such a great microcosm because even if you don't take it to this extreme, you know, even if you gave it like five hundred thousand dollars of a budget, like per minute, how much work goes into a, a music video? Um, it really is like a short bird. It's a short film. And so I think the, what. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and and that's one of the big things that changed about the '80s, specifically bringing up Michael Jackson with with the Thriller video and mentioning Prince a lot as well, because they, they made a point of, um, in the era of visuals, both of those two made a point in competing with each other to drive their, their visual um, knowing, being, uh, I don't know what you'd call that, recognition, their visual recognition as much as, as their, their, their music one. Working mm-hmm. with filmmakers and having these big productions became such a thing, and it really became a great avenue for a lot of young filmmakers no, well-known or total unknowns to get a foot in the door and kind of create a 
a symbiosis that really helped grow both sides. So what I think is really interesting here and that we have, we haven't addressed it yet is so when we talk about taxi driver, right? What did, what did we get? $22,000 per minute ish. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and so budget of just under $2 million. Um, but then it, it grossed over 28 million at the box office. So you're looking at almost like a 15 X, you know, on your investment for the, for the movie. And like, when you're talking about movies, it's especially in, in this day and age when like, there isn't like the streaming stuff and all that, like it's, you buy the ticket, you go to the show and like, that's the revenue. Right. Um, it's, it's very clear to see like the return on the investment to say like, Oh, it was like, Taxi Driver was a success. We spent a lot of money on it, but then we made even more money on it. Whereas with a music video, right? Specifically, let's take Bad, for example. I mean, you could look at album sales, right? And say that that's like an indication of success or whatever. But like, there isn't a, a, a necessarily like a direct revenue stream, right? From the video itself like it's not like you go and buy a ticket to to go to the 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 theater to see a screening of the new michael jackson music video right so it's 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 really interesting that that it's you know it's kind of caught on you know the, these kind of big production music videos in that i'm not sure I guess it's interesting that that it's still justifiable to to spend this much money on like a music video. Like obviously it must be beneficial, right? Otherwise people wouldn't do it. Um But I mean, are you getting a 15x return on that from from the bad music video? Like did he sell 15 times as many albums as he would have if he didn't make the music video? Like I I don't know. I I mean that that's that part's hard. Um, I mean, I, we're getting into like total like conjecture land. Like, there's no way we could we could answer these hypothetical questions, right? But it's it's weird to think about there being, you know, with a with a movie, right? When you're talking about a big budget like feature length film, there is a clear uh, indicator of success, right? Um, but I and, wonder, like, how, how do you gauge, right, that, like, oh, it was worth spending $5 million on this music video or $2 million or whatever? I'm, I'm sure that there is some behind-the-scenes math that shows that having a really famous music video generates more plays on the radio, which gets you more money um, or some shit like that. Like, like you know, it's funny, but you know what a, a recent example is? Uh, WAP. By by Megan Thee Stallion and um, Cardi B. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I listened to yeah. I listened to the song. Actually, and a... like, it's a fine song. I don't think it's it's especially great, but it's definitely not bad. I mean, they're two very talented musicians. Yeah, um, it's a it's a song. Yeah, but but hey, man, everyone was talking about the video and the lyrics, but like the video was the thing that like really generated attention to that song. And yeah. if they wrote that song and had it come out as a single with no video to it. I'm sure mm -hmm. there would still be quite a buzz about it because it had very sexually explicit lyrics and whatever. Um, sure. But I bet it got a 
fuck ton more attention for having that video. Yeah. And obviously that's a more extreme example. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that there has got to be some type of calculus that's, that's happening behind closed doors or, you know, but happening in the meetings, I should say, I don't want to make it sound nefarious. Um, <laughs> that, that shows that like, you know, if we make a video for this song, um, it'll be more popular and the people will play it more on the radio. People will buy more copies. And then all of that leads to people coming to the shows, which just, you know, gets us, lets us raise our ticket prices or whatever, yada, yada, yada. Um, mm. I, I want to be like altruistic and be like, and also they do it for the art, um, <laughs> which I'm sure, you know, everyone does everything for the art, but it's also tough because the people yeah. financing the people wanting to do it for the art are in it for the money. So yeah, yeah. I also want to shout out real quick. Cause I, I just remembered him as well being a, um, uh, music video director first, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who 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 uh, directed Magnolia and uh, Punch Drunk Love? There will be blood. The master. Mm. Um, his um, he started off directing music videos for like Fiona Apple. I think Fiona he, Apple. Oh, she was a, a kind of a pop person in the nineties. Um, he apparently did a video for some guy named Michael Penn right after he did the movie Hard Eight, which I don't I don't even know who that is. And he also did a music video for uh, Amy Mann. Um, but he definitely started off as a um, as a as a music video guy before really anything else. Uh, Hard Eight being the exception, but Hard Eight was also not like a huge film at the time. Had a couple big people in it, but definitely the indie the indie crowd. But regardless, um, yeah, we, we well we end, we end up talking a lot about the industry. <laughs> yeah, we we really we really kind of meandered about there um but uh but well, honestly, I, this is this is why i was excited to talk about this because like i think there i mean we you 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 touched on it a little bit just that there is so many there there's so much overlap between like the music industry right and the and the film industry and like it nowhere is it more obvious right than with the music video yeah, and it's also cool because if you if you like music, you like art. That is an art form. That is a medium. You know. Yeah. Now imagine if you went to a museum and every painting had a song it played too. Like yeah, yeah. like it's obvious in a lot of ways for us the idea of meshing audio and visual because we're used to movies where like you have dialogue. And a score, like there's always music behind a movie, but to have a movie be behind a music in that type of way and bring out that different lyrical expression is really interesting. You know, that's one of the reasons why, like, if you go to modern art museums these days, I, these days, I have no idea how long they've been doing this. I'm sure that there's been non-painting things in art in modern art museums for the past like 50 fucking years. But if you go to a modern art museum, like you'll you'll see a bunch of weird paintings and you'll see a bunch of stuff made with like cans or dirt or some shit. Um, but, like, chances are you'll also encounter an auditory medium-based or auditorily medium-accompanied piece of art. Because having the wherewithal to combine those forms of expression makes it a little more engaging or a little more interesting, a little bit more fun. You know, like, I'm willing to bet that not only did Michael Jackson want to work with Martin Scorsese because it would help sell more bad records, I'm willing to bet Martin 
uh, that that Michael Jackson wanted to work with Martin Scorsese because that shit just sounds really fucking cool. And these are people who are, are creators and creating in other spheres. I bet is a lot of fun, and yeah. it's it's cool seeing it be that way in a music video where music videos, no matter what, usually feel more fun. I think what I really like, I, and I know I'm going back a little bit there, but when you mentioned like scoring for, for, a, for a movie, right? Like the purpose of a score, right? Is for the music to, to support and enhance, right? What you're seeing on the screen, right? The, the, the visual, the, visual aspect of the movie is like the primary focus and then the score is there to accompany it and kind of support it. Whereas a music video is almost the inverse of that, right? Um, you have the auditory part of like the art, right? Being the primary focus and the visuals you're seeing are there to try to support and enhance the audio rather than the audio enhancing the visuals, which I think is really a cool like dichotomy that I've never thought of before, but like a music video is almost like the inverse of the score to a movie. Oh yeah. To, to a really big extent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think that a decent score, not, not a, not a good score or a great score because those you'll notice, but a decent score, you probably won't even really pay attention to um, because it's really just there to help further establish whatever mood is being set and so mm. if you kind of let it go to the wayside i don't think that's wrong um you'll notice a really bad score you know like if yeah if, if you're watching a really serious scene and yakety sack starts playing <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, you will notice. yeah the, the kind of thing where like you really only notice if it's like exceptionally well done or like exceptionally poorly done if anything else you would really only notice if you removed it and then you'd kind of all of a sudden go like, oh, there's something missing here, right? Right, which also isn't isn't bad. You know, like like you being along for the ride with a score during a movie is really the score doing its job. Um, yeah, well, and I would argue that the same goes for music videos, right? The music videos that you remember, right, are either like, the you know the the ones that are really exceptional the ones that really pushed the media like things like thriller things like uh uh jailhouse rock things that like did something new or was like were, were noteworthy in some way or music videos that are just like terrible in either like an objective way or like in like a humorous way or some some other way um most you know, good songs that have a music video. The music video is there. It's a thing, but it's not necessarily what you like about the song, right? What you like about the song is the song. Yeah, or or at the very least, the person who made the song. Yeah, yeah. You know, you 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 tuned it in because you because you punched in the song on YouTube, and the music video version is the first one that came up. Um. And then you're just along for that ride, but so let me let me ask you about um, about Lady Gaga because you know okay also again super talented she's great love her music um, but I definitely feel like I got a lot of my introduction to Lady Gaga from when I was in I guess that was when I was in high school 
because of her music videos. Mm-hmm. Same, same, actually. I, I was, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, so, like, what did you interact with first? Uh, so, I definitely... I. I think the first I just dance is the first, like I definitely heard that song um, before anything else. Um, but then after like a, not long after that, I, I think it was the poker face music video. Um, and, and yeah, like, I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. I feel like her, her art right has always been very visual she's always been a um you know even in even in like her her concerts right like i actually i actually saw her in concert um down in florida when i was i was down there on a a, a business conference and like part of part of the conference was that lady gaga was there and like there was a concert like that's a whole other story um but like the just her whole performance, right, was like equal parts visual and auditory. Like, like if you were only if you could only hear the concert, right? If you only listened back to like the the concert, you know, recording or whatever, you you would have you missed out. You missed out on some of the experience because a lot of the experience was like the blending of visuals going with what you were hearing. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of just how she like operates as an artist, right. Is, you know, kind of requires both like that. If you just see, just see Lady Gaga, right. Or just hear Lady Gaga, you're, you're, you're only seeing one side of the coin, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not getting that full Lady Gaga experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think she is um I haven't really spent a lot of time on thinking about it, but like she's like now that you've brought her up, she's really kind of encapsulates like what it means to to blend the two things together, like two mediums together to and have like a a a consistent output where like the where the 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 song that you're listening to and the visuals you're seeing are both like equally as thought out and equally as uh like equally important to you know the message you're trying to convey with you know your art right and and that i think is is the big overarching theme of this whole conversation is that like you know, if if you see somebody live, they are limited to what they can do on the stage. And that's not bad, but that is going to be, first and foremost, a stage experience. You know, mm -hmm. like, I'm a fan of an artist called Sylvan Esso. I think their music is great. I saw them live, and it was way more than what I was expecting they were going to do, because it's kind of quieter music. And the production that they put up on stage was colossal. And it was amazing. Totally mm -hmm. loved it. Um... If you contrast that to what David Bowie could do in the um, Ashes to Ashes music video, or what AHA does with the Take On Me music video, those mm -hmm. are things you just can't do on stage. And that's not a knock on stage. That is an opportunity for the artists to do something 
totally different with their music. You know? That and that's what makes it a really fun and interesting medium. Like, sure, aha could like, I guess, cast a projector to make it look like they were all etched lines and do some weird shit. But you'd think it'd be corny and weird, because it would be. Like, the fact that Roger Waters still erects a fake wall during his sets of the wall in 2019, because he ain't playing shows this year, uh, and then knocks it down after on the stage, that was probably pretty cool in 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today? I gotta watch you put bricks down? Bitch, like, that's not interesting anymore. Like, that... And and that's because it's a stage limitation. We're beyond yeah. that now, you know. We well, we have been for a while, but that that specific one. But like having the ability to, to do some shit that obviously won't show up on the record because it's visual, mm-hmm. won't show up at the concert because you can't just can't do it, and mm-hmm. can be in a video where you have complete control over every single second is going to lead to some really interesting things, and it it really makes that experience so much different from just your average like listening to the record on your commute to work you know yeah man yeah 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 well uh fuck man there's uh there's a lot here i really wasn't expecting this to go down quite quite all of these avenues yeah, there's 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 a lot to unpack here and I I'm I'm still blown away at the amount of I feel like we could have a whole episode just talking about movie directors who have directed music videos cuz I feel like that's such a fascinating thing. Um and just like I Yeah, like, I I like, I wonder if it's like because, I mean, it's got to be different, right? There, there have to be, like, totally different experiences, right? Like, one... Oh, like, for sure. A movie is over, usually over the course of weeks, if not months, um, whereas a music video is prob- usually shot, like, in the span of a day or two, right? Um, sometimes more, I guess. But, like, typically speaking, we're talking about a very short filming cycle. Um, but so, like, I wonder what... Uh, I wonder if you ask, like, Martin Scorsese, like, if if, like... Like, are like is directing a music video is that like fun for him? Like, is that like a fun side project or like, I don't know. Uh, and I would say one of the other big differences is you know if you are uh, if, if if you're Martin Scorsese and you're directing a movie with uh, fucking Jake Gyllenhaal or some shit, uh-huh. and and you get in a fight because Jake Gyllenhaal isn't acting the way you want him to act, you can be you can go to the studio and be like, look, man, buy out Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm fucking done. We go go get me go get me somebody else. I don't care if yeah. it looks like Jake Gyllenhaal or what. Go get me Idris Elba. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't do that if you're directing the Madonna music video. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't gotta say, figure out how to work with Madonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like you're. There is no room. Like you kind of you have to work with what you're what you're given, right? Like yeah. Um. Yeah, and it, I guess. And I guess if you were Martin Scorsese, right, you wouldn't, if you didn't, like, if you didn't, like, if you hated Michael Jackson's music, right, if you were like, yeah, 
fuck that guy. I hate the, I hate the song bad. Like this is like the garbage. Like you wouldn't direct the music video, um, but I'm sure it's happened, right? I'm, it has to have happened where you've got a director, right? Who's working with a band and like, just doesn't get the band, doesn't get the music, hates them, like whatever. Um, like, I'm sure that like, that kind of, like yeah. Oh, uh, it's because I'm not. I'm not sure you get that from the director. I'm sure you get that from like the DP or like you know the boom guy or the editing squad. Because if you're the director, you know, like you're gonna have to. It, I would imagine anyway, you're gonna have to be the interpreter between whatever the fuck the artist is trying to tell you about how they want this to go, mm-hmm. um, what the vision of the song is, and then what that it's gonna actually look like. Um, yeah, because. Again, like you know, if it's a screenplay and you know says some shit about you know Jack uh, slaps Karen across the face, and you go, well, I don't think that's in Jack's character. I I, I think instead he's just going to scream the fuck out of her, and I'm going to write mm-hmm. in some lines here. And the writers can be like, well, I didn't write that, but you're the director. You can go like, well, fuck you. Uh, but if David Bowie comes up to you and he's like, hey man, I got the song Ashes to Ashes. It's about my heroin addiction. Uh, you can't be like, well, David, that's too sad. We're instead going to make it about planting trees. Um, David Bowie's going to go, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> I'm not a director. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. you're going to have you have to be in, invested to at least a degree there, just just so that you can translate what's being told to you into into the the cinema sphere. Um, because I don't know how it works. Like, you know, it's not a it's not a surprise to me. That Spike Jones is a colossal Beastie Boys fan. You know, like he directed yeah. several of their music videos, but it's also not a supply. And, and he just went on tour with them promoting the new book and made the documentary yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not a surprise to me at all. I, I really wouldn't be shocked if you told me that everyone who ever directed any music video was like at least kind of a fan of everyone that they directed those music videos of. That makes more sense. But I like to think of an, a reality where there is a there is a situation where somehow the director got stuck directing a music video for a band that he just hated and like just didn't understand whatever. I think it's funnier. You know what? Actually, I'm going to amend my my opinion and side with you a little bit because I guarantee you, like early Taylor Swift, you know, when she was just the a country pop vehicle, you know, yeah. she was. I don't want to. I don't want to get too mean or ethereal, but she was very much so just kind of a cog in the uh-huh. in the country pop machine in the early years. Sure, yeah. She and, and her music was so straight up, and her music videos were so straightforward. I'm willing to bet that there was probably just some dude who was a career music video maker or you know s- small time director well, of some so- kind whose job was just like, yeah, I gotta go make some song for some 16 year old who wrote something that's what i mean but so even yeah. forget about like taylor swift is actually so it's like she went on to be somebody right and like oh yeah so, and like and also all of those music videos that you're talking about like they were they were big videos people watched them people like they got right think about how many like just garbage musicians there are out there who make garbage music that like you've never heard before but there's a goddamn music video for it someone had to direct it like you know what I mean? Obviously, like of the ones that like of the music videos that just come to mind that like you're thinking of is like the great or they're they're good ones. But all like the bad ones that you're not thinking of right now, someone had to direct them. 
so I, 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 I've been sitting here thinking about those indie ones, but I, I think the problem with the indie ones is though, like, because like, you know, all right. All right so if I personally was to make a music video, right? Like me, not hypothetical Josh, like actual Josh was to make a music video. I obviously am not hiring Martin Scorsese. I, I'm finding a guy I know who's either willing to do it for free or willing to do it for pretty cheap. And it's tough because that guy is either going to be a friend of mine who's doing me a favor and will probably like my music because I feel like your friends sure. and you usually have a pretty, you know, decent middle ground with what you guys are into. Or I, I, it's going to be somebody yeah. that just doesn't give a shit and like yeah. needs that 300 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just yeah. going to take it. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, someone's either doing that to help you out as a passion project or is doing that because they need the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm I'm really curious, and I'm just going to look it up super quick. Um, was Taylor Swift a, a big person when the when the Love Story music video came out? Love story. That's what our sec her second album, I think. Dude, I don't even know. Is that off Fearless? Is that off? Uh, I uh, being careful about how much uh, I reveal that I know about Taylor Swift, but um, <laughs> I think <laughs> so. I, I believe that's off her second album. I believe that's off Fearless. Um, so the woman who directed that, <clears throat> uh, Trey Fanjoy. I'm looking at her IMDb page, and it is okay. literally nothing but music videos. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like, literally nothing but music videos. Uh, she got her start with Keith Urban, um, a lot of Keith Urban, Little Big Town, Josh Grasson, Grayson, bunch of Taylor Swift, George Strait, Alan Jackson, Keith Urban, Taylor Swift, Michael, like it's just all music videos. Um, so this fits my narrative, and I will go with that. Hmm. All right, man, we we could really we could get we could run in fucking circles on the industry side of things. <laughs> yeah, we really could. Um, in the interest of of wrapping this up, though, I um, oh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. I had a thought, and then like I brain fart. Um, but we'd love to hear from uh from you guys. What's your favorite music video? What uh, what do you think about about all this stuff? <laughs> what other famous directors are we forgetting that did music videos that are we'd actually know? Actually, I'd be more impressed if there's a famous director out there that did a music video that I didn't know. Tell me those. I want to know those. All right, well, so if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you could follow us at YCBSPod. That's at YCBSPod. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email and tell us uh, how terrible we are at closing out our show, um, you can email us at YCBSPod at gmail.com. Um, I've been your host, Matt Torrey. And uh, I'm Josh Tracy. And, uh... and tune in next week for more... <laughs> yeah, man, we're out. Woo!